Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the grow your own food revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have Hasina Kasim of Vermilove Worm and More to talk about her experience with vermicomposting. Sina, AKA the Worm Whisperer, holds degrees and certificates in herbalism, nutrition, landscaping, arboriculture, and water harvesting. Edible gardens, vermicomposting, and water harvesting are all part of her integrated landscape designs. Besides a love of worms, Sina enjoys playing imaginative games with her daughter and creating art. Living a more natural, life daily and always learning more about the plants helps to get her out of bed in the morning. Welcome to the show today, Sina. Hi, thank you, Greg. It's great to be here. Absolutely. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at now? Um, Sure. While I was going to um, a school, community college at Suiha, there was all the talk about taking multivitamins and how food wasn't as healthy as it used to be. Uh And I thought, well, why don't we go ahead and uh, fix the problem (laughs) and uh, (laughs) and make food more nutritious Uh by building up the soil and creating better soil and adding the nutrients back into it. And so uh, worm composting seemed to be the way to do that best with the way the worms uh, have a voracious appetite and eat the scraps. So that's what uh, got me really more interested in worm composting to Uh make it more into a business. So I got into worm composting and then um, I believe everything just kind of started falling into place. A friend was moving out of state, uh, gave me his worm bins and then I got worms from you. Yeah, so worms were just falling from the sky it seemed like. (laughs) And and so we founded a Vermilove Worm Farm. It's just a, a great way to make soil and eat those produce scraps. So there's so many things that I could ask you at this point, but I want to know about worm poop. They call it worm castings, worm poop. Yeah. What, what makes worm castings so great for your garden? 
they're very unique compared to other forms of composting, uh -huh. where other forms of composting or high heat, worm composting is actually coated in a mucous membrane. Oh. Uh, yeah, sounds pretty good. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, but that mucous membrane is actually a calcium base. And that is what makes worm compost naturally slow release. So as opposed to other fertilizers, you're never in danger of burning a plant or, you know, under over fertilizing at all. Right. You can use as much worm compost as you want. It also has a lot of bioavailable nutrients. Because uh, the worms, they eat some dirt because they, um, they have a gizzard like chickens. Oh, right. Yeah, so... So by eating some of the dirt, they help mineralize the nutrients like, um, you know, like calcium, mm -hmm. phosphorus, some of those other micronutrients, and that makes it the plants easier to uptake them, especially calcium. Um, heavy clay soils are very high in calcium, right? But plants always can't take that out of the heavy clay soil. But with worm compost, uh, worm castings or compost, the um, the calcium is more bioavailable to the plants. Uh huh. So you, you used the word, I think, a moment ago, mineralized. Mm -hmm. Say more about that. Okay, yeah. Um, like Our soil has a lot of clay soils all over the world. They have a lot of micronutrients in them, iron, I guess some copper to a degree, uh -huh. and the calcium. They have a lot of that in them, but plants aren't able to, and phosphorus, they're not able to pull that. Plant roots can't take it out of the heavy clay particles. Right. So by worms, and um, I believe maybe it's regular compost to some degree, but the worm compost, they have um, effective microorganisms in their gut. Wow. And they just, they, yeah, it, it's like magic. They just break <laughs> they just break that down and make these uh, nutrients, I guess, like water-soluble almost, where the plants can uptake it from the, uh, from the soil. So, Sina, how and why did you get started with worm composting? Well, while taking some nutrition classes, uh, it was mentioned that soil or plants weren't as healthy as they used to be, didn't uh -huh. have the same nutrients in them, and so that we should all be taking a multivitamin, and I'm kind of against taking um, <laughs> a vitamin every day. I don't right. mind taking them here and there. So I thought, well, if food's not as healthy as it, or nutritious as it used to be, let's go ahead and put the nutritions back in the food. Mm -hmm. and, you know, one, the easiest way to do that is to, uh, is to add a bunch of, uh, to worm compost <laughs> yeah. to, to start fixing the soil. So that's a great way to do it is just start, you know, with adding compost to the soil, making healthy living soil. Uh -huh. And that way the food that we're growing in the soil is able, has access to those nutrients and they can pull it up and then we can be healthier as well. Oh, perfect. So we're growing worm composting in bins, right? Yes, yes. Um, I've got several different um, setups happening. I've got some uh -huh. store. I'm, I'm very experimental because I kind of want to find, you know, like the best way, well, the best and easiest, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> A way to, uh, to worm compost. So I have some storage totes that I drilled some um, air vents, like two-inch holes in them uh -huh. and put air vents in them. And um, we sell them. We also teach people and show people how to make them because they're super easy to make. Yep. I actually yeah. have one of those on the back patio, which we still grow worms in. Oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's one thing I like about worms, too, is that they can be for any size, apartment or house yeah. or a larger space. 
buddy of mine, Miguel, actually lives in an apartment, and he mm-hmm. went and bought a you know those metal pans that you put underneath your car. Mm-hmm. So if it's dripping oil, he bought one of those metal pans and has his worm bin inside his apartment with that underneath it. So he just he does it inside his apartment. Oh wow, that's that great! Cool? Yeah, so all of his all of his um, fresh kitchen waste goes right into the worm bin. Wow, yeah, and there's probably no smell, no odor yeah, it's with exactly. the worm composting. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. We also got back in the behind the fig trees out back. We've got a horse trough that we just loaded with straw and chicken oh, yeah. manure. Oh yeah. And we we added worms to that because that's been curing for about six months. Uh-huh. And, um, we have, we have a big like commercial bin. It's not, I mean, it's not huge, but it's a pretty good size. It's like, I don't know, maybe three by three kind of, uh, radius, uh, diameter. Uh, diameter. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Diameter, uh, worm bin. And it's probably about four feet tall and it's a continuous flow. And it's kind of neat because you just, you feed on top and then you put some bedding on top uh-huh. and the worms migrate up to eat. And then you turn a crank and the worm compost falls to the bottom of the bin. Oh, nice. So these yeah. are these are bigger bins. I, I and that one's a round one, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. So I've have actually seen one of those at your. I've seen that one at your house before. Yeah. But in yep. your, and you even have a bigger system though in your driveway, do you not? Um, in the carport. That's that's the big. Well, yeah. And then I took um, a hydroponic IBS. Tote? I guess it doesn't have to be. Yeah, the IBS tote. I yeah. think it was like a two hundred and seventy-five gallon tote. I had that cut in half. And I put the worms in there. And that has really, um, I think because it doesn't have any drainage holes in it, uh-huh. it really, for our arid climate, it holds the moisture really well. And the worms just thrived in it. Nice. Absolutely loved it. Oh, cool. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. So we live in the desert here. Um, and, there, mm-hmm. you know, our listeners live in all the way from hot climates to cold climates. How do you deal with the with the heat and the freezing in the winter and the summer how it, with the worms and how do they do with all of that luckily for those that live in cold weather worms uh, it's actually really fascinating so worms can handle the cold fairly well they'll actually curl up in a ball uh-huh. and uh, produce their own like an almost their own antifreeze oh it's interesting. like a protein base so uh-huh. that they don't freeze so you don't really have to worry if your if your bins were like sitting up on the ground, you'd probably want to dig a hole and put them into the ground. But if your composting bins um, with worms in them had access to the earth, uh-huh. the worms can go in there and curl up into a ball. And I think it's like a phospholipid or some kind of like protein cholesterol molecule uh, protein that happens there uh-huh. that the worms just curl up, make their antifreeze. But uh, for those living in warmer climates, worms don't have a way to make their own air conditioning oh, like yeah. they do the antifreeze. We try to add a lot of airflow. That seems to be the key thing with worm composting in hot climates uh-huh. is lots and lots of airflow, letting the heat get out of the bin. Heat rises everywhere. So same thing in a worm bin. Right. It's just allowing that air to flow out of the worm bins. And then uh, when it gets really hot, we don't feed a lot in the summertime. We let them slow down, and that's kind of mm. like our break. Just like people um, in cooler climates, uh-huh. they slow down in the wintertime with the composting. So that's what we do in the summer. Perfect. Worms' favorite foods? They, uh, Yeah, they certainly, um, we all have our favorite foods. They do like pineapple, melon rinds. Oh, uh, yeah. 
ends of cucumbers, banana peels. When you put stuff like that, or if like those little ornamental squashes, get at the holidays and yep. things like that, once yep. you're done with them, or if you grow a bunch of them, you can put them in the worm bin, just cut a hole in them, and then when you pull them out <laughs> a few months later, it'll be just that outside skin of them, and the inside will be filled with worms. Oh, it's cool? uh, It's kind of cool and gross. <laughs> yeah. I've noticed that with, um, um, uh, avocado skins. Yeah, you know, I'll cut an avocado in half, and I'll throw that in the worm bin, and it, you know, it, mm-hmm. you pull it out later, and it's it's full of worms. Yeah, the skins seem like they take forever to break down, but the worms absolutely love it. So yeah. it's yeah, like exactly. a jungle gym, I guess. So worm bins, they don't smell. Yeah, um, if they do smell, something has gone wrong. But I think when you saw the worm bins inside, uh-huh. I probably had about. When I had the two bins inside mm-hmm. and all the storage toads, I think, I, I don't know, I want to guess, let's just say, I don't know, 70,000 worms in that back room. Wow. And then, yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of worms. But in the wintertime, it just smelled like a forest. It had a nice earthy uh, aroma to it. Yep. And that is that is how a worm bin should smell. If it, if it doesn't, then there's a, likely going to be a problem. Yeah. So if, if it does start smelling, what do I do? It's likely too much food in there, mm-hmm. or there might be too much gnats. You're probably going to want it. If it starts to smell like fermentation, Oh yeah. and you put your hand over the bin, if it's over 90 degrees, you'll be able to feel the hot spots in oh, the yeah. bin. It's so it's actually hand. composting there. Yeah, there. yeah, it's like turned into a hot composting or anaerobic, you know, like lack of oxygen uh-huh. method. And the best thing to do is to remove, remove some of that material and then just replace it with something light and fluffy like coconut core or newspaper. Yep. Just get some oxygen in there and um, it should make a quick recovery. Perfect. So we have our bin. Mm-hmm. Th- then we're missing three things. The things we're missing is what do you put in the bin? You mentioned coconut core, so I want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, food for the worms and the worms. So yeah. w- w- tell us about So we got we talked about the bins. What do you put in the bins? Just like regular composting, in the sense you have some carbon and you've got some nitrogen. Uh-huh. You want the same thing for the worm bin. Oh, you want to? Yeah, it, it, there's a lot. There's a few similarities in that. So the carbon is going to be your browns, like coconut core, uh, shredded paper, and cardboard. Uh-huh. And some people do just shredded paper, uh-huh. but that tends to make the bin. Uh, too heavy in bacteria and uh, too much bacteria can mean it's too acidic and your worms won't thrive in that they've done some experiments like mary epelhoff and they well, she had worm bins just on newspaper uh-huh. and the worms were doing great they were doing great for i don't know how, i don't remember what the time frame was but then one day all the worms were gone oh and it was just uh i think at, at some point it just it scales got tipped and it got too acidic or something with just the paper as the carbon. So uh, mix it up. Variety is the spice of life. <laughs> yeah. Same, so, so same when, thing with the worm bin. When you say paper, shredded paper, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to make an assumption here that you're talking about shredded newspaper. Yes. Ideally, shredded newspaper. The, the laser ink, um, I've tried to do some research on that to uh-huh. see if the petroleum would affect the worm bin. Yeah. And then, you know, you're going to use this in your garden. You're going to use this for your start, starting seeds. Yeah. 
you're not likely going to want the petroleum paper in there. Yeah. So I tell people on the laser copies and the copies um, for mm-hmm. composting, I, I highly suggest that they not use it in their composting bins because the, you know, the plastics that go on the paper are poisonous. Mm-hmm. And do we want that in our garden? Yeah, not likely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, great. So we have a bin. We have something for the worms to live in, coconut core, shredded newspaper. Where do we get worms at? Yeah, you can get, um, you want to make sure that you get the red wiggler composting worms. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go outside to your garden and dig up worms, there might be some red wigglers in there. They're always going to have a red hue to them where the earthworms are going to be a bit more pale. Uh-huh. But you want to make sure that you're getting red wiggler composting worms. We do provide worms, but there's probably there's also findworms.com. You uh-huh. can find a All local right. uh, worm farm to go through. That would be ideal because then the worms would be acclimated to right. your climate. Yeah. So that's findworms.com? That's right. <laughs> right. I'm looking that up right now. Findworms.com. Oh, look at that. Find yeah. worms now. All right. I'm sending people to that website. Okay. Wonderful. Fant- are you listed there? I am listed there. Uh, yep. <laughs> fantastic. Fantastic. Okay, great. So there we go. We got the bins. We got the media for the bins. Now we got worms. Now what do we feed them? Yeah. You want to feed them things that are, you know, variety of foods. Uh-huh. Uh, it's like some tomatoes, coffee grounds are good, but you want to put everything in there in moderation. Oh, yeah. You don't want to go to Starbucks and get there or yeah. any coffee place and get their big bag of used coffee grounds and just dump that in your five-gallon bucket worm compost. That's going to be way too many coffee grounds. Got it. Uh, for the worms. Yeah, any fresh vegetables, the ends of broccoli, you can throw breads and pastas in there. Nice. Pretty, pretty much the only thing that you wouldn't put in a worm bin would be stuff that's really, really oily. Too many onions. It tends to make it uh, ah. really smelly. <laughs> oh, yeah. But the worms don't seem to mind. Like, and I had read that worms don't like garlic. You shouldn't put garlic in there. But I... You know, the worms didn't, the, maybe because the bin was big enough as well, the garlic didn't seem to cause any problems in there. Citrus as uh, a no-no, that's actually very toxic to worms. Oh, interesting. Well, and because yeah. it's acidic, I would guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so no uh, so no citrus. I'm putting tomatoes in moderation, too, yeah. and that should be fine. Oh, yeah, good. right. Perfect. So advice for newbies, somebody getting started. Yeah, start small. Um, start oh, yeah. small. Try not to make a big investment at first. So this way, you don't have a lot invested in it. You can kind of tinker with it some more. Uh-huh. You know, keep going with it. Just keep going with it. And uh, if you have any hiccups with it, just try to resolve any kind of hiccup you may have had. Perfect. Keep the moisture level good. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah. They, oh, yeah. Um, How much worms, moisture? Um, worms breathe through their skin. So um, it's a weird place for your lungs, but that's why they breathe. Oh, yeah. And so probably about 80% moisture level. Oh, um, wow. Okay. Yeah. If you squeeze the bedding and a little bit of moisture comes out, like a couple droplets of water, mm-hmm. that's perfect. Um, you know, that would be a good ratio. Great. So I'm going to shift on you here, and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure, and what you learned from it. 
Okay, well, that's a tough choice. There's there's two of them. All right, <laughs> go. Pretty big. Yeah. Okay. When I first got the big worm bin, I was so excited. I wanted to find them lots of food, and getting the free coffee grounds was seemed like a great thing. So I was putting a lot of the coffee grounds in there, and uh-huh. I was it was it's that continuous flow thing where you layer the bed the food right. material. Mm-hmm. So I was still adding the carbon of the coconut coir on top. Uh, but unfortunately, I started seeing all of these little red crawly things, and I was pretty oh, new. Yeah. I was pretty new, and I didn't know what they were. So I did some research and found out that they were red mites. Yep. And um, while they're not harmful to people or plants, they are harmful to the worms. And the worm pins were inside, so it oh just kind of yeah. So it just kind of looked bad. So I ended up having to empty the worm bins and put them all outside. And that was really hard to do. So um, I started all over again, loaded the worm, and well, in the soil where I had to dump everything else really good. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the trees there are doing very well. Uh, so I started all over. And I didn't know, I didn't put it together yet that the coffee grounds were my problem. Mm. So I put, I started over with the coffee grounds and this time when the mites started showing up, I said, you know what? I can't. I can't do this. I can't empty the bin again. So what I did, um, I did a little bit of research and found out that mites really like melon rinds. So I put melon rinds in there and I made them. Oh. Yeah, I made a mite trap. So I put the melon rind in the worm bin, and because the mites move faster than the worms, they went over and they would go over on the melon rind. And then I would just rinse off the melon rind and put it back. I'd obviously rinse it off outside. Right. <laughs> Not in the kitchen sink. Yeah, I just kept rinsing off the melon rind, and that got rid of my mite population. It totally went down, and uh, now I know what to look for if I see them coming up. I don't do coffee grounds like I used to. Yeah. I do put um, some in the worm bins, but what I'll also do is put some in the garden as well. Yeah. I, I, I got to say, that's brilliant. That is a brilliant, brilliant non-pesticide solution there. Yeah, I'd like to try to make it for one for pill bugs as well. Oh, yeah, no kidding. No yeah, kidding. Yeah, it could be a little stinkers. Great. Uh, so you said there were two times you failed. Yes, yes, there was another. Well, two times we we're going to talk about today. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so, good. Uh, the second time was I was taking an herb class, and we had made some chamomile tea, uh-huh. and they saved the flower heads and said, oh, you should take these to your worms. And I was like, oh, relaxing chamomile tea. The worms will love it. It's oh, yeah. Sounded awesome. So I had one of those like can of worms or stackable um, right. uh, worm bins. And I just put, I ignored all my own advice about rotating the feedings. And I just, you know, they're flowers. How bad are they? Being? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I just poured the flowers on top of the worm bin. I closed it up. I went to bed. And when I woke up the next morning, I thought I'd smelled something. I thought, well, that kind of smells really sour. And as I got closer to the uh, to the worm room, uh-huh. I, uh, I saw there was a mass exodus. Through the stack tray system, it had, uh, the, worm, the conditions had gotten so bad, the worms had fled. Um, out of the system. Out of the system. And thank goodness the, it was for linoleum. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. So uh, none of the worms uh, were hard. Um, I was able to save all the worms. And I realized it was a chamomile tea. It had all the volatile oils in it. Yep. And so I scooped all that (laughs) up, 
put the worms back in. They forgave me. And uh, we've, we've been getting along better. Along this since. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. There you go. So what drives you? What's your big why? I think why is, um, you know, you just hear so much about soil and topsoil and air pollution. And, you know, I really feel like the soil can save us. The soil can heal us. The uh-huh. soil... I feel like the soil is the answer to a lot of our problems, like our drought conditions. Well, healthy soil saves more water. Yeah. You know, we need more air pollution. Well, we need more, we need healthy soil to grow more trees. Yeah. It's just, it's like, it's like the beginning and the end of everything. And I just, I love that story of the circle of life and the Mm -hmm. transformation and the idea of, you know, just the continuum of space and time and compost. Perfect. (laughs) Perfect. So I'm all about education, and I have to know, is there one book or maybe two that have been really influential in this process for you? Yeah, there's definitely been uh, one that stands above the rest is Mary Epelhoff's book, Worms Eat My My Garbage. Uh, Isn't that a fun book? It is just so much fun, and she is just... She just seems like she would have been a blast to me. She just, uh, you know, she's like, there's no reason why you can't worm compost, and they had pictures in there of compost bins built into coffee tables for houses. Oh, I remember seeing that picture, yeah. Yeah, I wanted to do one, but I don't know. The worms finally moved outside. I'm not ready to bring them back. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. uh, Yeah, it's just a wealth of knowledge on there. That's where I read about the the paper um, and then the citrus, the lime. And she worked with the university, too, and I think that's what I like so much about it. It's not just her experimentation, but also, you know, having a little bit of science to back it up. And she did experiment and, and do that. And, um, so that's a real big drive. And there's another book, I can't remember the author, but called the soil will save us. Yeah. I think it was written by a journalist that went out and like interviewed people and it was all about carbon sequestering. It just went around, just took my heart back to the soil. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. What one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? Just start. Just start right now. That's all you got to do. Just start right now. There's no better time than right now to get started. If there's something out there that you want to do, I hope you uh, get involved in worm composting. We need everybody to to get worms and start building soil. But just start, whatever it is. If you wanted to plant a garden or whatever it is that you'd like to do, Uh just start. Perfect. And if you start it, keep going. Yeah, there you go. Keep it up. Start it, be successful, and keep going. Yeah, well, thank yeah. you so much for joining us on the show and sharing your experience with us today, Cena. It's been a treat chatting with you. Sure. Thank you, Greg. It's been a lot of fun. Absolutely. How can our listeners get a hold of you? They can find my website is vermalove.com, or they can reach out to me. My email address is feedingthesoil at gmail.com. Oh, nice. Feedingthesoil at gmail.com. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org, or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, 
Hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18 and that was a long time ago. Then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit denalicanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's denalicanning.com forward slash free.